Hi and welcome to the Jewelry Podcast. My name is Celia and it is my absolute pleasure to be talking about jewelry and all things sparkling with you guys. I started this podcast because I wanted to create a space where we can talk about fine jewelry and gemstones in a different format without any rules or traditions weighing us down. Because this world of fine jewelry is mystical and secretive and it is hard to get information about what really goes on behind the curtains. Perhaps it is exactly these things that have shaped the industry and laden it with norms and unwritten rules. I want to move away from this. That is why I created the Jewel Podcast. And if you want to be part of this conversation, please join in by sending me a DM on Instagram, the Jewelry Designer, or our own Instagram, Jewelry Podcast. It is actually from you listeners that I get inspiration for most new episodes. So feel free to write whatever you want to hear about or have been thinking about, anything jewelry related. And if I do bring it up in the podcast, you can of course stay anonymous. But today we will actually talk about something that I have gotten absolutely zero questions about ever. And I get it because it is something that you might not even think about. But once that thought gets into your head and you start to think about it, it feels kind of obvious, or at least it was to me. Today, we will talk about wardrobe essentials, the jewelry edition. Or is there even such a thing? Yes, I actually believe there is. But I think we need to start with the term wardrobe essentials. What is that? Well, your wardrobe essentials or staple pieces are meant to make your life easier. For example, my boyfriend, who has come to be a recurring cast member of this podcast, he has two pairs of jeans that he always wears. The same model of washed black, one darker and one lighter pair, skinny acne jeans. Also a recurring theme in this podcast, but they still make the best denim, I think. They highlight his long slim legs and every day when he gets dressed, he knows that he can just grab them and feel good about how he looks, knowing that they work with all of his sweaters and shoes. And he also feels a bit like a rocker in them, which is important to his sense of identity, I believe. Amongst my staple pieces, you will find, for example, a vintage camo military jacket that I was very proud that I found in a dusty old warehouse in Gothenburg. In spring and fall, I will simply wear it over a dress or a tank top and a pair of tights or leggings. And in the winter, I have a fake fur hooded jacket that sticks out underneath it so I don't freeze. The point is, I always feel really cool wearing it. It sort of says everything that I want to say about my style and personality. I want to be a cool girl who doesn't give a damn and that you maybe are a bit curious about. The girl with the cute dog, military jacket and all the sparkle on her fingers maybe. I mean, it almost sounds silly saying it, but your wardrobe essentials, and I really mean your wardrobe essentials, they don't have anything to do with the glossy magazines defined as wardrobe essentials. Could be the garments that make you feel comfortable and boost your confidence on days when everything feels a bit shit. 
Kind of like finding a way to style your hair that makes it look good, even on your worst hair days, when you haven't had time to wash it. It can also be a life and time saver when you are stressed and feeling uninspired. I mean, it is not for nothing that many super successful people wear the same thing every day and buy multiple kits of exactly the same outfit so that they don't have to worry about their outfit every morning. The third purpose of your wardrobe essentials, and perhaps the most obvious, most of us have limited resources in some way. It could be the size of your closet, the size of your wallet, or the fact that you want to be the kind to the planet. Therefore, you want the garments that you do let into your closet to work with each other, work for your life and activities, and for the whims of the weather. Did someone, by the way, say snow in April here in Sweden? Well then, jewelry wardrobe essentials. What are those? Okay, so I'm going to tell you about a day a few months ago when I recorded the Swedish version of this episode. It was a grey and rainy day in February in Stockholm, just a few degrees above zero. I was so over winter, but at the same time spring felt really far away. I had not gotten my apartment sold like I had hoped. I missed hanging with my friends, I missed going to Gothenburg to visit my family and hug my nieces and nephew, and me and my boyfriend had realized that our dream of buying a house was still some time away. I wasn't quite at the top of my game, you can say, even though I am usually a very happy-go-lucky person with tons of energy. This also meant that I had absolutely zero inspiration. We ended up doing a lot of takeout food rather than cooking, and I hadn't designed a piece of jewelry in weeks. This of course affected the way I dress. All of a sudden my wardrobe was so boring and I had nothing to wear. But on Tuesdays I go to the studio in central Stockholm and record the podcast. Usually I find some cozy cafe where I hang out beforehand, drink coffee and prepare myself. And then it is important to me to look pretty and a bit cool, of course. Actually being the person I see myself as in my head. It makes me feel better about myself. But I also know that I will be carrying my best friend, aka my other dog, a lot. My fingers will get cold because it is February in Sweden. And I will be rummaging a lot in my bag. So I don't want to wear my nicest rings or the ones that are a little bit more fragile. Remember episode four and five? To add to this, I have absolutely zero inspiration at 7am. Who does? But I also know that if I don't put on any jewelry in the morning, because I can't be bothered to mix and match in that moment, I will regret it later in the day, because I will feel naked and like something is missing. So that morning... I cast a quick glance into my jewelry box sitting at my bedside table and just picked up the simplest rings. I made a quick scan of my staple pieces and picked a black and white combo. Two tiny diamond rings, the smallest, most dainty rings in our collection, with just a tiny diamond, less than two millimeter, each, and put the black one on my left ring finger and the white one on my middle finger. On my index finger... I wore a vintage-inspired ring, 
with multiple white diamonds in different sizes. The Brigitte ring, for those of you who follow Mumbai Stockholm. This instantly gave me a classic, little bit more put-together look and made me feel finished about my left hand. On my right pinky finger, I wore a black and white eternity ring, the jade, and on my ring finger, I stacked a black and white Brigitte and an internally black eternity ring. And that was it. And I immediately felt dressed. I skipped bright colors, delicate gemstones and big pieces. I went back to my staple pieces, but combined them in a fun way. Just like that, without giving it too much of a thought. And that is how it works with staple pieces. They just make your life work. None of the rings I wore the day were new. I had had them for many years. And I will also add to the story that I have built my sparkling wardrobe essentials around rings. It is also relying on other types of jewelry. It's just that I don't change those. For example, I have a nose piercing and multiple earrings. Three in one ear and five in the other. It is partly due to my interest in working out. I wanted to have some jewelry that I never or rarely change. And that I could wear all the time, even while exercising. So I always wear the same earrings. I even sleep with them and my nose piercing, which is shaped like a tiny flower. So even when I don't actively put any jewelry on, I am still repping the jeweler girl I am, staying true to my identity as a diamond-loving magpie and expressing my love of flowers. And then I add different rings every day. I have also noticed actually that I am not alone in this. Of the emails we get from people asking about earrings or necklaces, the majority are planning on gifting the jewelry. When customers email about rings, it is because they want to buy the rings for themselves. I don't know what it is, but perhaps it is as simple as a ring is the piece of jewelry you can actually see for yourself when you are wearing it. You don't have to find a mirror to admire the sparkle. So that that is what makes rings feel more personal? What do you think? Anyhow, if this isn't going to turn into a two-hour episode, we're only going to focus on ring wardrobe essentials today. And the rings, I believe, are the staple pieces of your jewelry collection. The bread and butter, if you will, can be divided into five categories. And then, because I am me... I have three bonus categories for the Sparkle Squad. Number one, the simple small diamond ring. I usually say, if you don't have any fine jewelry rings yet, start with a small diamond ring. It is super cute, can be worn with everything. I still, to this day, almost always wear a tiny diamond ring. It very quickly becomes very personal and when you wear it, you feel dressed. It's typically not very expensive. Usually it's one of the cheaper rings you find in a fine jewelry store. And there is one more thing about this ring. And that is that it's the perfect ring to bring with you when you travel and don't want to keep taking your ring on and off in different hotel rooms or at the beach. It doesn't matter what adventure you are going on, you can always wear it. And you don't even really think about it when you wear it. It's just there, like a part of you. 
And what about the size of the diamond then? I thought I'd share a picture on our Insta Jeweler podcast of how this type of small diamond ring can look. Mine is just 1.7 millimeter in diameter. Tiny. Which is why we named it the Tiny Diamond Ring. Super small, super cute and harmless. The next category of jewelry staple pieces is the eternity band. The ring with stones wrapping all the way around the band in an eternal loop. It is a very common style and it is perhaps most famous for being the most common partner in crime to the engagement ring. That is the wedding band. Often, or traditionally, the engagement ring is some kind of solitaire ring, which you then match with the white gold eternity wedding band. But I think it should rather be part of every woman's collection. And then many of you ask, but shouldn't I just do stones halfway around so that you don't risk the stones on the bottom half facing your palm falling out? That is a totally reasonable thought, one I have thought many times myself. But the thing is that the ring will twist around your finger, even if the ring is the right size. So the stones will end up facing downwards on occasion anyway, And I remember finding it super annoying to constantly have to check that my ring was bling up, so to speak. But the thing is, you don't have to worry about a stone breaking or falling out just because it's facing the inside of your hand, even if you're carrying a lot of things. Because, as we learned in previous episodes, gold is a lot softer than all gemstones. And most gemstones are a lot harder than, for example, both glass like a drinking glass, or stainless steel, like your keys. So just because you rummage through your bag looking for your keys doesn't mean that the stones in your internet band will break. But on the other hand, you can count on the gold getting scratched, which is also why I recommend that you hand in your jewelry for a general service every other year, where you also polish up the gold so that it becomes all shiny and new looking again. And the fact is that if a stone were to fall out of your eternity band, which could happen, it is most likely not that the stone is broken, rather that the microscopic gold prongs that hold the stone, they have broken. Often there are four claws that hold the stones, and when two of them break simultaneously, say from a hard impact, that is when you lose a stone. And this can happen even if the ring is made by a master goldsmith and stone setter. The good news is, it doesn't matter. What you do is simply you bring the ring back to the studio and have a new stone put in. Just make sure that the brand you buy the ring from offers this service and you have nothing to worry about. The Eternity Band is easily one of the styles I wear the most and I have them in many different colors It's really a staple piece in my collection, and I also love wearing many of them simultaneously. They look wicked in a stack. Third, and they most certainly are a charm, is the vintage style ring. Of course, this can be an actual old piece that you bought in a vintage store or at an auction, or perhaps was lucky enough to inherit. What you have to be mindful about is that pieces that are actually old and vintage aren't always suited to be worn every day. 
There can be parts of the setting or stone that are fragile, so that you have to be mindful when you wear them. It might not handle normal cleaning, for example with a toothbrush, all that well either, so you possibly have to hand it in for cleaning. The third thing, if you have an old piece that you inherited, it might not really feel like you. And then the entire concept of a staple piece falls. You might even feel guilty about having a piece of jewelry that you should wear but never do. So my tip for you is that if you have an old piece that you don't love, either save it in a box for your grandchildren who might love it or sell it at auction. But my general recommendation is don't start thinking about remaking it because often the stones can break and then the value will really deteriorate. And most vintage rings have really intricate designs that are hard to recreate. So, rather than trying to change the ring or your own style, save it for the next generation or sell it at auction where it can be sold at its real value. And then, you buy a vintage-inspired ring for yourself, new or old, one you get to choose, that you really love, that can be worn every day and be part of your jewelry essentials. The vintage ring also takes on the role of elevating all the other rings in your collection because they tend to be a bit more intricate, a bit more luxurious and elegant, but with a boho feel that makes it look very pretty next to other more understated pieces, like the simple diamond ring. Then we have its polar opposite, the plain gold band. And it is exactly what it sounds like. A simple, clean, no-fuss gold ring without any stones. It is preferably a thin ring that is barely visible when you wear it alone. It just sort of glimmers on your fingers sometimes. It is the perfect standalone ring when you want something that is barely there, but also the perfect ring to stack because it complements and enlarges a stack and amplifies other rings by creating some space between them, allowing them to really shine. The plain gold band is also your best friend when you travel, just like the small diamond ring, when you don't want to bring your entire jeweler box. It do happens. The plain gold band can also be varied based on your personal style and preferences. The band can be round or square with sharper edges. It can be shiny or matte, can be varied in width and be clean or with some small filigree. Up to you. And finally, the fifth ring, or perhaps ring style, that I think should be part of every girl's collection. And I must admit, this is actually a ring that I don't own myself. And perhaps that is why I am so painfully aware of what I am missing. But the reason I don't have one is because I haven't found the right stone yet. But maybe soon. The ring I am talking about is, of course, the diamond solitaire. A style that is perhaps most commonly known as the engagement ring, but I think it deserves an even bigger role. Yes, actually bigger than an engagement ring. Diamonds are far too important for their destiny to be left in the hands of our partners. To me, the solitaire is the classic white t-shirt of jewelry. Or perhaps the perfect pair of denim jeans or sneakers. Perhaps all of them combined. 
because when you have one, you are fully dressed. Wearing a proper dazzler of a solitaire is enough. You are done with your outfit. And this is almost why I think you shouldn't pick a classic solitaire as your engagement ring. Because you want that ring to be a bit more personal and representative of your partner. And the solitaire you can buy for yourself. A funny story is when I had a pop-up store in Gothenburg a couple of years ago, I met a woman who was about to get married. And I don't know if it was her second marriage, but she was probably around 45 and her children were way past being toddlers. She was head over heels with her husband-to-be, like in that way people usually are in the beginning of a relationship when they are so sweet you get cavities in your teeth just from looking at them. (laughs) This woman was choosing between a trinity ring, also a popular engagement style, and a solitaire. She really loved both rings, but the trinity ring, and if you don't know the style look, you can see at our Greta and Edit rings. The trend rings felt more representative of her coming marriage. So that is the one she chose. But just a few weeks later, she came back to get the solitaire as well. Because she wanted a solitaire in her collection. It is so easy to combine with other pieces. She wore it on her right ring finger and it worked so well with her Trinity engagement ring on her left ring finger. And this is where I would like to say something about the choice of stone for your solitaire. You don't have to get a white diamond solitaire. You can pick a different color. Why not champagne? But the solitaire plays an important part amongst your jewelry essentials. You can play around with cut and pick a different shape than the round brilliant cut, which is the most common. Why not go for a rectangular emerald cut or a pear-shaped stone? Something that feels like you. My guess is that the solitaire will be one of your most used rings. And that is exactly the point. Okay, so those are the five main styles that I think should be part of every jewelry collection. And now we are moving on to the intermediate course with three bonus styles that definitely deserves an honorable mention, even though they didn't make the top five. These are for those of you who are true jewelry nerds and perhaps use jewelry to express who you are and how you're feeling. Perhaps compared to buying a pair of beige pumps because you already have a pair of black ones or the perfect combat boots that will take you through fall and winter looking just a little bit cooler even though you already have a pair of decent and warm boots already. And first out of the three is the pinky ring. Because yes, I do believe that you should have one of those. Having at least one ring in such a size that it fits on your pinky finger will make it so much easier and infinitely more fun to get dressed. And you will be able to create a lot more fabulous jewelry combos. The great thing about a pinky ring is also that it is often the perfect size to be worn as a top ring on one of the fingers. That is a ring that you wear closer to your fingertip between the first and second joint. If you are brave and like it, it can create a really cool and a bit edgy look. So what kind of style should you choose for your pinky ring? Personally, I like wearing thin rings on my pinky finger 
preferably an eternity band in some interesting color combo that sticks out a bit, or a vintage-inspired ring. The most common and most traditional style is, of course, the signet ring. But despite my many efforts, this, this style just doesn't really agree with me. Or perhaps I just haven't found the right one yet. I have different pink rings that I alter between. And if I feel really minimalistic and edgy, I don't wear any other rings except one or two pinky rings. I think it looks really cool. The second style of the bonus trifecta is the curved stacking ring. Look at our jade wave ring and you will understand what style I refer to. This is a ring that you most commonly wear on fingers where you stack multiple rings. Because this is a true lifesaver. It works in almost every stack, even with the rings that are slightly more tricky to stack. For example, low set solitaires that cannot be stacked with a straight band. The curved stacking ring is perhaps also the ring amongst your staples that will be the most unique in its design. Just the fact that the band is curved and not straight creates an interesting dynamic on the finger that feels fresh and modern. But this ring will work when no other does. And it's usually the ring glue that ties the ring stack together when you mix your staple pieces with the more unique and special ones that you don't wear every day. And now we have gotten to the last ring, or a last style of the jewelry wardrobe essentials. You can never have enough rings. This is sort of a hidden classic. This is a style that is reminiscent of old times and that many designers do their own signature take on. It was one of the rings that I really wanted to do my own version of, and when the opportunity came, I seized it directly. I am talking about the lace ring. As I said, many designers have their own version of it, but I created ours when I inherited a piece of bobbin lace from my grandmother. It took one and a half years to recreate it in gold, but I have worn it every day since. And it is a ring that will live through generations, just like other treasured vintage pieces. The lace ring also serves another purpose, to cover and give some character to your index finger. I think it is really pretty, and unusual enough that it's primarily sparkle nerds and jewelry aficionados that have made it their thing. There are of course many other pretty rings you can wear on your index finger, but the point is that you sort of want it to be a fairly large statement ring that perhaps takes up a bigger part of the finger, but preferably is quite flat without any protruding prongs that are in the way or snag because most people's index fingers are a bit bigger. And before I started Mumbai, for a long time, my dream ring for the index finger was Ole Lingorj Lifring. But then I made my own take on it, and now I always wear the Cecilia lace ring on that finger. For me, and for my grandmother, who was also called Cecilia. So these were the eight different types, or styles of rings, that I think are jewelry wardrobe essentials. But what will be your take on each of these styles? That is something only you can decide, and depends on your personality and style. But... I thought that before we wrap this up, 
I'd share some tips and things to think about when you are searching for your perfect staple pieces. It's actually only three. I promise only three this time. Very simple yet important tips I want to share based on my own experiences of being a magpie, aka wearing lots of jewelry, and also my experience with rings that were meant to be everyday pieces but didn't turn out to be just that. So what I want you to think about when you are creating your staple piece collection is number one, the stones in your everyday pieces should ideally be diamond, ruby or sapphire. The good news is that there are diamonds in many different colors. White, black, champagne, chocolate and coffee tones are very common or common by diamond standards. And sapphires are available in all the colors of the rainbow. When they are red, they are called rubies. So you still have the entire color palette available to you, even if you restrict yourself to these three gemstones and definitely don't have to stick to white diamonds just because we are talking wardrobe essentials. Why these three stones then? Well, we spoke about it in episode four, but to recap, it is simply because they are the most durable stones that can take being worn day in and day out for many years and still look just as pretty. They don't get scratched, they maintain their sparkle and don't break very easily. Which leads me directly to my second tip, which has to do with colors. What colors should you go for when you get your staple pieces? You can, of course, stick to one color, white, champagne or whatever you prefer. But it is quite fun if you could work in at least some different colors in your collection that you can mix and match. For example, you might wear all black jewelry one day and a mix of black, white and champagne the next. If you have, say, eight different rings and want three different colors, you can, for example, do one plain ring without stones, some that are black and white, one olive green or champagne and two all black ones. The most important thing is that they all work together. You don't want your essential pieces to all have different colors like blue, orange, green, yellow, etc. You want to make mixing and matching easy. That is the key. Then you can of course go wild and buy rings that you don't consider your staples in crazy colors. But when picking the colors of your staples, I want you to think about things like what is the color of your wardrobe, which nail polish do you usually wear, perhaps you are a big fan of bright lipstick. You don't want to make it harder to get dressed in the morning. So to share, my essential wardrobe colors are white, black, champagne and light pink. And my friend, you know the one with the beetle ring, she does white, champagne and yellow. But then she also mixes white and red gold, so that becomes like four colors. My final tip is actually something so simple and extremely obvious, but it is easy to forget. Get your staple rings in a few different sizes so that they at least work on two out of five fingers. Middle and ring finger is the most common. Then you will be able to mix and match your collection in an interesting way. And remember 
to pick the sizes so that you can wear your rings on both your left and your right hand. Often they differ about a quarter of the size, but that usually evens out depending on the season and the temperature or what week of the month it is, etc. And that was that. Now you have gotten an introduction to my take on jewelry wardrobe essentials. And the good thing about it is that you get almost like a framework to work from. A bit of structure in the midst of your creativity. You want to be in a place that you feel like nothing is missing when you look into your jeweler box. And the coolest thing about this is that no matter how you decide what pieces are your staples, if you are inspired by what I said today or if you go your own way, your collection will be unique and not like any other collection in the world. Speaking from my own experience, I love opening my jeweler box on my way out of the door and just pick like three perfect rings, adding that final touch to my otherwise pretty basic at least sure outfit, usually leggings and a top. Making me feel special when I grab my takeaway coffee from my local coffee shop in one hand and my other dog in the other. There is such an amazing freedom in jewelry. It's not like clothes where you have to put together a complete outfit of many different garments just to not be arrested for public indecency when walking out the door. You can choose to wear only rings or only a necklace or match a green earring with a green ring and that is all you need. Jewelry is just for fun. So allow the process of choosing it to be fun. The entire concept of your jewelry wardrobe essentials is to simplify everyday life and fill your jeweler box with a few staple pieces that you can easily alter between and the transition between work, leisure and party. Or perhaps nowadays with a Rona transition between the home office and meeting your friends for coffee outdoors. You should also be able to combine your staples with your other more wild and crazy pieces that amp up your outfit to the next level. Hello cocktail ring or statement ring. And adds a personal touch depending on your mood or the, the situation. And if this episode sparked any thoughts or questions regarding jewelry wardrobe essentials that you want to share, perhaps you agree with me or perhaps you don't or have any other jewelry related thoughts. Perhaps you collected a solid collection of staple pieces without even knowing it. Slide into my DMs, jewelry podcast or the jewelry designer, and I can share it in a coming episode. And of course, you are allowed to be anonymous. If you are one of our faithful listeners who tune in every week and like the podcast, it would be absolutely brilliant, pun definitely intended, if you could give us a rating or even write a few words in a review. It helps us to grow the podcast and allows us to keep going. And if you already did this, a million thanks. And never forget, you deserve fine jewelry.